Amen. So glad to have brother and sister Stewart here. And um, uh, really, I mean, we've known each other for a number of years, but not really able to get real close until probably last year when I reached out to him and asked him if he would come and preach at this conference. And he did such a tremendous job, and we grew to love him and his precious wife very, very much. These are just good folks. They're just good folks. And we appreciate their friendship so much. Looking forward to the word of the Lord this morning. I want him just to take his liberty. I want him to preach what's on his heart today. Love you, Brother Stuart. Come, take your liberty today. God bless you. Thank you for being here. Well, praise the Lord. You can be seated for a moment. Amen. I want to say that uh, I'm very privileged and very honored to be here this morning. And I appreciate this fellowship. Amen. These men of God, this church family, met you for the first time last year. And uh, we were so blessed. We left here feeling like we could run on. Amen. We appreciate brother and sister Riggins so much, and I appreciate the confidence, and uh, these these men, I'm, uh, I'm kind of the adopted child, <laughs> they all have the same, same daddy, I'm their stepbrother, but we're family, amen, <laughs> and uh, I really love these men, and uh, I tell you, uh, the preaching that we've heard has just been so so timely, amen, it just seemed like it just flowed from one minister to the next, and uh, we want to give God the praise and the glory for that, heard Brother Johnson this morning, just such a timely word, thank you, such a timely word, and really it was uh, I guess you could say it was a prerequisite to what the Lord laid on my heart. I like it when it's like that, when you get a confirmation. And uh, every man of God wants to do well. Every preacher wants to do well. But I promise you, I'm not here this morning to impress anybody because, I, first off, I can't. Second, that's, that's not me. But if I can just get the heartbeat of God, if I can get the will of God, the mind of God, amen. And my greatest desire is to present the gospel to you in such a way that you're fed from the Lord, amen. It's all about God's glory and God's blessings on us, amen. And there's a good spirit here this morning, and I'm so honored again to be here and I want to honor my wife this morning uh, she's been with me side by side amen All, almost in August will be 48 years and I, I, I love you and I appreciate you being here this morning she's my greatest fan amen she tells me when good things about me when nobody else will Amen. But, I, but I'll say this, you don't make things up either. 
If she did, if I didn't do well, she don't say anything. <laughs> so I'm not fishing this morning, dear. I, I appreciate all the good things that you do and the family that you've given us, the home. And uh, amen. I'm just glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning. If you have your Bibles, I want to turn to. I want to say, while you're turning to Nehemiah chapter 1, I want to say thank, thank you so much. Thank this church family for the sacrifice that you've made for us to be here. And uh, it's been said, and I'm, I'm very, very grateful. And uh, you're, the food that you've prepared this morning was just impeccable. It was just so nice. And uh, the food was delicious. I regret that I couldn't just chow down like I normally do. But if you find a little speck of meat coming your way this morning, it's going to be a piece of sausage that I didn't eat. But uh, just dodge it or amen. No, I hope I've got everything out. That should be out. Amen. Everybody say praise the Lord. Have your Bibles. I want to turn to Nehemiah chapter 1. I want to read all the way through that chapter. I know it's a little lengthy reading. The words of Nehemiah the son of Hakaliah. And it came to pass in the month Chisla. In the 20th year. As I was in Shushan the palace. That Hananiah, one of my brethren, came, he and certain men of Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped, which were left of this captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. They said unto me, The remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. And it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept, and mourned certain days, and fasted, and prayed before the God of heaven. And said, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God that keepeth covenant and mercy For them that love him and observe his commandments. Let thine ear now be attentive and thine eyes open. That thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant. Which I pray before thee now day and night. For the children of Israel thy servants. And confess the sins of the children of Israel which have sinned against thee. Both I and my father's house have sinned. We have dealt very corruptly against thee, have not kept the commandments, nor the statutes, nor the judgments which thou commandest thy servant Moses. Remember, I beseech thee the word that thou commandest thy servant Moses, saying, If you transgress, I will scatter you abroad among the nations. But if ye turn unto me and keep my commandments and do them, though there were 
of you cast out unto the uttermost part of the heaven. Yet will I gather them from thence and will bring them unto the place that I have chosen to set my name there. Now these are thy servants and thy people whom thou hast redeemed by the great power and by thy strong hand. O Lord, I beseech thee, let now thine ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servant and to the prayer of thy servants who desire to fear thy name and prosper. I pray thee, thy servant, this day and grant him mercy in the sight of this man, for I was, in, I was the king's cupbearer. Amen. Elder Riggin, would you please pray God's blessings on this word today? Amen. God bless you and you can be seated. Thank you for standing. I um, thought about as we were standing for the, the word. Amen. And I, it's a practice that we make throughout our fellowship. I have all my life about the standing in reverence and respect to the word of God. And just Prior to this book here, you could turn to Ezra, and you'll find where that there was a time that Ezra had the people stand, or the people stood, for six hours for the reading of the Word. The Word of God is so powerful, and it's so important, amen, and it's so, is a help. For us in the time that we live. Thank God for the direction. Thank God for the inspiration. I listened to Bishop Johnson this morning bring some scriptures. And I, I thought, oh, how someone can take just one or two scriptures and can bring such inspiration and such direction in our life. Amen. I don't know most of you here today. I don't know anything about your life. I don't know which direction you want to go, you're headed, you intend to go. But God knows. He sees every one of us here today. I believe that there's a hunger, there's a desire in our hearts today to please God. And I pray that somewhere in the course of this service today that we can say something that you would would give you direction in your life, that would give you an answer. I believe I felt this morning, early this morning, that there were some special needs going to be in this place today. And I'm not here today to say anything pretty or fancy, but I'm here somehow to give you a word from the Lord, somehow that we might find the direction that God has and the purpose that God has for us individually. We're here collectively today. 
We're trying to please and honor God and, and, he, and hear Him and watch Him open the windows of heaven. But it should be a personal, like Elder Johnson said this morning, an individual relationship. God sees you and I, and He knows what you need. He knows what the brother across the aisle, across the church, from these brethren or in the middle, He knows what He needs, and He knows the direction that He needs to go, or we need to go. Amen. I began to read several, actually it was just a week or so ago, a lot of times I was talking to Brother Newlish, I believe it was the first day, and uh, he was talking how, you know, sometimes, and I'll just say this is the way it affects me, sometimes I seek God for something early, and, and uh, man, it changes two or three times. And so I've kind of mainly learned to about a week, and uh, then sometimes it gets down to the day or the night before. But it's so important that I may get what the Lord wants delivered to hearts today. Amen. And I want to talk to us this morning as we look at the book of Nehemiah. It's a very, if you haven't, I mean you've read it, I know. But, but if you haven't ever just taken the time just to read the whole book without stopping. And just see what God has to say for the church. And to see what how the, the Lord uses Nehemiah and uses uh, different ones, amen, to give his people direction and that they may fulfill the purpose that he has for them in their life. Amen. We read today, I guess, if we could sum up three words, the book of Nehemiah. The three words would be rebuild, revive, and to resettle. Amen. When we, we, I was preaching in Atoka last week, and I mentioned the fact that a lot of times the, the words that are mostly used for salvation begins with R-E in front of them. Restore, repent, rejuvenate, rejuvenate, revive. Amen. When we began to read those sayings and see how that God has the plan and the purpose for Israel. And we know that Jerusalem, that Israel is a type of the church. And when we began to read how that God called Jerusalem and Israel and he dealt with them and he had a plan and a purpose for them. We can associate that plan and that promise in our lives today. We are the church of God. Amen. We're the true blood-bought church. Amen. We're the church that preaches the precious name. We said, neither is your salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. We are Jesus' name people. We are people of the name. The name makes the difference in our life. Amen. We want to, I want to read five, 1 through 5 of chapter 2. You can remain seated, but I want to read it this morning. And it came to pass in the month Nisan, in the 20th year of Artaxerxes the king, that wine was before him. And I took up the wine and gave it unto the king. 
Now I had not be, had been, now I had not been before time sad in his presence. Wherefore the king said unto me, Why is thy countenance sad, seeing thou art not sick? This is nothing else but sorrow of heart. Then I was very sore afraid, and said unto the king, Let the king live forever. Why should not my countenance be sad? When the city, the place of my father's sepulchres, lieth waste, and the gates thereof are consumed with fire. Then the king said unto me, For what dost thou make requests? So I prayed to the God of heaven, and I said unto the king, If it please the king, and if thy servant have found favor in thy sight, that thou wouldest send me into Judah, unto the city of my father's sepulchres, that I may build it. Amen. Now, we find here that Nehemiah was, had a, a place in his heart. God had dealt with him. We know that Nehemiah was not, didn't ever, he didn't, wasn't, had never been to Jerusalem. He hadn't been to Israel. He was not, he was born into captivity. He didn't know the blessings and the beauty of the children of Israel. He didn't know the blessings and the favor of God like the Israelites did because he was born in captivity. But there was somewhere, we read, there was a, somewhere in his life a time that, that he began to inquire of somebody. He said that Hananiah, one of my brethren, came, he and certain men of Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped which were left of captivity and concerning Jerusalem. Amen. He began to inquire about the things, about the church, about Jerusalem, about Israel, about God's people. He had never been there, and he wanted to know all that he could. He began to tell how that, that the city was lying in ruins, and there was rubbish everywhere, and there was a, everything was a mess. The gates were burned, and... And the, the, all the stones, the walls had been knocked down and they were lying in ruin. And, and it became a troubling thing to him. I began to think about this precious church that we have today. I think Brother Riggin made mention this morning how that the changes that take place sometimes. And sometimes some changes are good. But there is some changes that bothers me. I look at some of the places that, that I've held dear and that I've appreciated and I've respected and I've honored. Amen. To see today that there is such a deviation, there's such a falling away. And I can realize and I can concur with Nehemiah how that when he began to pray and he, he began to weep over the condition of the church, Jerusalem. He began to think about it. I have some friends today that recently, and you know, maybe, maybe it's just me. If it is, forgive me. But I, I, I'm bothered about the changes, some of the changes that are taking place. And they're changing some of the names. They're changing anything that, that, that will let people know that this is a one God, apostolic, Pentecostal, Jesus name church. And they change the names to like 
life sanctuary. That doesn't tell anybody anything. Amen. It tells me that somewhere they're trying to trick people into getting into the church. If you have to trick people to get into the church, you'll have to trick them to stay in the church. The Word of God doesn't need a crutch. God's Word doesn't need you and I to build it up and to hold it. It simply wants us to preach the unadulterated Word of God. So Nehemiah, the first seven chapters of Nehemiah's about rebuilding a city. Chapters 8 through 10 is about reviving the city and the passion. Chapters 11 through 13 is about where that they had to be resettled. There had to be some shifting. They had to move some people around. Amen. I began to love and embrace this gospel a long time ago. Amen. We read or in Nehemiah chapter 2 verse 20. Amen. Then answered I them and said unto them, The God of heaven, he will prosper us. Therefore we his servants will arise and build. But you have no portion nor right nor memorial in Jerusalem. Amen. There comes a time in our life that we begin, if we're not careful, we'll begin to drift off course. And we need to do some rebuilding. We need to get some restoration in our life. We need God to take the word and the, the preached gospel and began to bring some res restoration in our life. Uh, I know some of the men, they, they passed a couple of pictures around recently of, of the car that Elder Davis had. And, and I looked at that and I said there had to be some restoration take place in this car, in the process. Uh, there has to be restoration in mine and your life from time to time. There's times that we get some dents in our life. Amen. There's times that we get in some accidents. Uh, there's times that, uh, that things happen and the weather takes its toll and life takes its toll on you and I. And we need to come to the house of God. We need a church to go to to hear the preached word that we might be restored in the kingdom of God. Let's clap our hands unto the Lord. I thought how that in our life living for God that there's times the enemy and I'm not I'm not giving him glory tonight. I thought of Brother Daniels mentioned the other night, sometimes we give the devil too much praise. I want to be careful, Brother Mullins, that I don't do that. Amen. But I want to give God the glory. But I understand today that that anything that we love to do for God, Satan don't like it. Amen. Satan would love to take the wind out of your sail today. He would love to take what uh, relationship you have with God. Amen. And he would like to use it for our failure and our demise and our walking away from God and not serving the Lord. There was several years ago, I made mention this the other day, California, there was a man, 
that coined the phrase, what can go wrong will go wrong. Murphy's Law. Everybody knows Murphy's Law. A lot of truth to that, I guess. Seems like it. But there's also uh, Lucifer, or Satan's law, and that he hates everything that God likes. He despises everything that God wants to do in our life. So we find here that Jerusalem gets its complete makeover in 52 days. When you read the book of Nehemiah, amen, very, very, very great reading, amen. When we began to see how that, that God moved and God worked and God revealed things and he revealed some times, uh, some of the times that we're in today and uh, see how that the enemy fought uh, God's people. I can tell you today, if you desire to do anything for God, when you make a commitment to serve God and please God, the devil's going to put a big target on your back. He's after you. He don't like you to please God or to live for God. He don't want you in church. He don't want you in a truth church. He don't mind a worldly church. He don't mind a denominal church that doesn't preach the truth. But when you find a Jesus name apostolic church and you embrace the truth, you embrace the gospel and you say, as far as me and my God, and this is the house of God as far as me and my Lord. As far as me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Whenever you take on the work for God, expect to get bullseye target on your back. You ask these pastors here today, amen. It seemed like a lot of times growing up, the devil didn't bother us too bad. He did. But when we made a commitment to serve God and to preach the gospel, then it, it lit some fires. Amen. You might as well, when you make the commitment to serve God, you might as well be prepared to pay the price because there's a price to pay. Amen. I'm thankful today for the touch of God that God brings healing in our life. And we look at the different Bible characters throughout the Word, and we can look at the lives that they lived and see, uh, look at their stories and see how that God used them and God worked in their life. Amen. We think of David, and I think it, he was mentioned this morning, but David was a simple shepherd enjoying the stars and enjoying the sheep out in the pasture and and, uh, and he had a good life. But the day that the prophet came to him and said that you're going to be the next king, it all changed. For the next decade, he was running for his life. The king was trying to kill him, was trying to take his life. Amen. As long as you're content with mediocrity and coming to church and, and just living for God in a mediocre lifestyle. The devil's not going to bother you. But the day that you make the commitment that say that I'm going to live for God, he's getting you in his eyesight. But I'm telling you, there's nothing too hard for God. Amen. There's nothing 
and no weapon formed against us shall prosper. When you make up your mind to serve God, God will see to it that you're taken care of. Until Samuel, that prophet, said, David, you're going to be the next king. We see where that Saul tried to put a spear through him, tried to eliminate him, tried to do away with him. Amen. Throughout the word of God, God had men that he used. God's got some men here today. God's got some people. He's got some saints of God. I appreciate what Brother Moore preached about outreach last night. It's very important. It's, it's not just me, my four, no more, but we need to realize, you know what, there's lost souls out there. You'd be surprised. No, you wouldn't. If you live for God very long, you're not surprised, but there's people out there that watch the life that we live. Leaving the motel or hotel this morning, to come here, there was a gentleman stopped me and the wife, and he said, what are y'all doing here? I said, well, we've got a conference going on. He said, I knew it. He said, I got goosebumps. He said, I knew there was something different about y'all. I told him about your church. I couldn't remember the exact address, but I told him what street and where it was at, and Sunday morning, Sunday night, 10 and 6, and when, I think it's Wednesday night, I hope. Uh-oh, well. If he'll come one of the other services, he'll get, he'll get through. But what I'm saying is that people see us and they watch us. We're the only epistle read by some people. The life that we live. Amen. I thought about, uh, here I was doing some research last week and um, there's a certain man that I just wanted. I didn't know how to spell his name, so I Googled the name Baggett. Didn't know if it had two G's or two T's or one or whatever it was. So, and lo and behold, when I put in the name Baggett, the man that I really wanted to, to talk about, he come up on the Internet. Brother Benny Baggett, I don't know if you people's ever heard of him or not. But he, in 1914, I, 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 my, I talked to an aunt of mine who goes to Brother Howard's because she's a little older and she knows a little bit more about the history of the church there. But in 1914, he went to Ragley, Louisiana, and he had a tent revival, and they started a church in, I think it was January of 1915. Brother Baggett, I, found, I didn't know this, but my aunt said he was like in his 30s at this time, but he had been a Methodist preacher. But he went to Elton, and the Lord filled him with the Holy Ghost, and he saw Jesus' name, baptism, and they, he began to preach this oneness message. Went to a little town, and they had a tent revival. The first tent revival, they had 67 people receive the Holy Ghost. I'm talking about over a hundred years ago. Amen. Then it wasn't long after that in 19... And this church was the church that I was... When I was a baby that I was in. 
bare Pentecostal church or what they called it. And I remember I was scared to death the first time I walked into an apostolic church. But then there was a man, my pastor, first pastor was Brother A.W. Sassman. He was a German man, and he preached the revival there. And uh, they had 50 people receive the Holy Ghost. And that was in 1945. This is still before my time. But I love hearing about God's church, the development, the future of the church. Amen. I don't know the history of this church, but I'm sure you know the history. And there's something about the history of God's church when we began to read about it, just like we look and we see Nehemiah, how that he prayed and he fasted. He was concerned and he began to weep about the condition of the church. I see some places today that it breaks my heart to see the condition of the church. But God is still the same yesterday, today, and forever. The power of the Holy Ghost is just as real and strong today as it ever was. I was two years old when I started that I can remember going to church in 1957. Brother Sassman was the pastor. And I remember when I was six years old, I missed school one day. And uh, mother, dad was home and mother was home and mother had a nervous breakdown. Dad said, son, Brother Sassman is over at a place. And I ran through the woods about a half a mile, between a quarter and a half mile. It probably wasn't but 100 yards now, amen, but it seemed like it was a half a mile then. <laughs> well, it was a good ways through the woods. And Brother Sassman came and prayed for my mother, and immediately God healed her. She never was bothered with her nerves again after that. I'm telling you, we're serving a powerful prayer answering God. I don't know what you need this morning, but I know that God's in this place. God has been in these services. Amen. Whatever you're going through, whatever you're facing, God wants to help you today to get the answer in your life that you're looking for. So, I thought about Brother Baggett, Brother Sassman. I began to think about other preachers of this gospel. And I'm going to skip a couple of them here, but I want to mention Brother Verbal Bean in 1977. He left this world at a young age, 44 years old. Most of you, if you didn't know him, probably some of you knew him. Amen. But you heard of him. How that God used him, but God took him at an early age. He was a man, a minister of the gospel. Amen. He fought for this truth. But the devil was after him. Amen. He, had, um, he wasn't a great orator, but he was a man that walked with God, a praying man, a prayerful man. God used him. Amen. Then, then I want to go on to most of us can relate to this man. In 1995, I was privileged to attend Brother James Davis's church in Balt Springs. I went to church. I visited before that. But in 1995, we moved there for a year. Amen. And I can remember, I can remember before we ever went there that we would run across some of the people 
uh, in the, that was out of the church and to hear those people talk about their church and to talk about Elder Davis that it was a privilege to go to that church. I mean, you could meet you would meet them on the street and they would talk about how they loved the church. They loved the pastor. They loved the presence of God that they felt and and uh, God moved and used them and. And uh, you today you can know you can understand how that uh, you know a little bit about the church and that God used that church. And at one time, uh, I, I know that when I first became acquainted, as far as I knew, it was the greatest church in the Dallas area. It was a good-sized church. I I can't remember. Maybe Brother Newlish uh, can remember. He was there then, Brother Sister Newlish. I'm thinking it was like 350 or 400 people. I'm not sure. I know the, they, they built a gym for a gymnasium and they used it for the auditorium and it was full. And God was so powerful in that place. And I thought how that the word of God, going to a place and hearing the word of God, that it restored my soul. He built some things into my life. He saw it because of his desire and the passion that he had for lost souls. And he knew that if he obeyed God, that he would build a church. And he built a great church. And God used him. And God did some powerful things there. And there was miracles. And there was prayers answered. And there was people that found God. And their, their lives changed. And generations came to God. No doubt from what little bit I know prior to that, There were some things that maybe had been a part of that church before he got there. But there was a burden and there was a passion that he had for souls. The man loved people. He loved sinners. Amen. And he preached truth. And I thought about even this year, just this year, we have lost probably two of the greatest preachers in Pentecost. Brother Robert Davis and Brother Tim Copeland. These men were really young. I mean, they were in their 60s, but that's not very old. But I thought about how that these men had a burden for God's work and the people of God, and, and they had a burden for souls, and they cared. They took it on their selves to preach the gospel and to establish churches. Amen. Let me tell you, when you want to do something for God, you're going to make the devil angry. But if you make up your mind that you're going to put your hand to the plow and never look back and serve God and be faithful to God, then God will do great things with you in your life. Amen. I, I, I think of these men and I thought, oh, how, how wonderful it is to know that there's people that that loves the church and loves the work of God. And they begin to do some building in their life. They begin to see the condition of some cities and some towns and even some churches. And, and they begin to do a work for God. And they begin to put their heart into it. They begin to seek the face of God. And God began to use them and begin to establish a church. Nehemiah had a burden. He prayed and he wept. Amen. If you pastor very long, you're going to shed a lot of tears. Amen. Over people's souls. 
You want to see families live for God. Amen. Thank God for meetings like this uh, that we're able to come and get restoration. Uh, we're able to come and God's able to build again into our life. Uh, he's been able to take some things that we maybe we've let slip and go fall by the wayside. But because of your desire for God to do something with you and in your life, God has a plan and a purpose. Those first seven chapters, Nehemiah, amen. You know, you, when you read it, find that in 52 days, he went there. Nehemiah was a cupbearer. To be a cupbearer, you had to be a smart, intelligent person. You had to be uh, influential with, with words, and you had to be to some degree, you had to be able to carry yourself in a manner, amen, that dignitaries and people uh, of, of power and uh, that you could carry on a conversation. And, and uh, when you look at, uh, when you begin to do some research on cupbearers and, and uh, they were usually nice looking, handsome men. They was not, I know it left a lot of us out. I wouldn't want to be a cupbearer first. <laughs> But when you began to read about the cupbearer, he had a great responsibility. He had a great task, and he had a dangerous job because his job was to taste the food and the drink before the king tasted it and drank it. Amen. And it was it sometimes they lost cupbearers, but the king lived on. Amen. And so we find that Nehemiah went from a cupbearer to a builder. Amen. He got a burden to do something for the kingdom of God. He asked God, he prayed and asked God to prepare and to make a way. And then he went and approached the king. We read how that he had a sad countenance in the, and he was afraid because cupbearers were not supposed to be negative in any way. They were supposed to be positive and upbeat, and, and they were supposed to have a smile all the time. And, and, uh, but when he saw the condition of Jerusalem, and he was concerned, and he cared about it, and, then he, and he began to ask God to prepare and make the way. And God opened the door. Brother MacFall, he made that way. Amen. He made it true and made it sure. Amen. And Nehemiah approached Artaxerxes and, and uh, he gave him permission to go to do the work of the Lord. And he went and uh, he began to, at night, he began to assess the situation, the condition. Amen. Men, we need to thank God that we have men gone on before us and prepared the way and left us a church and left us this apostolic movement. Amen. I look at all the young people here today. Somehow, if you can glean from what these preachers have been preaching to us and get it down in your heart and in your spirit and to, and to desire the ways of God and, and make up your mind to serve God and to live for God. I don't know how much time the church has. I don't believe it's long, but I didn't believe we 
would be here this long either. But I look at these young people and I see them growing and sitting on these apostolic pews. And, and I think, oh, just like Nehemiah, and he began to seek God and call on God. And God allowed him to go. And he saw all the rubbish. There's a lot of rubbish today. There's a lot of places pastors don't want you to preach conviction to their people. They want everybody to feel so comfortable and relaxed and so just, ah, oh, it's peaceful. I like peace too, don't get me wrong. But there's times, amen, Brother Daniels, I like the preached word of God to stir me. I don't want to go and just hear what uh, someone made reference to it, amen, that uh, they come here and, and they wanted the will of God, not what they want, but want what God wants. And that's, that's the way I feel. I, I want God's perfect will. And when we began to, like Nehemiah, began to pray and fast and talk about it, find out about the church, amen, thank God for the church today. Thank God that there's a time that the man of God gets out the hammer and the nails and the saws and, and uh, all the planers and, and whatever it takes to the levels and everything to make sure that we're building right and make sure that we're using the right material and the, right, the lasting material and that we don't cut any corners but thank God that for men of God that will preach this unadulterated word of God and to tell us how to be saved and to tell us what thus saith the Lord thank God for men that still preach revival we need revival our churches need revival if we preach revival we will have revival amen Nehemiah, after he, in 52 days, and you know the opposition that he faced. Any, any pastor knows the opposition in being a pastor. But thank God his grace is sufficient. Amen. We do something for God. If you're, if you're the saints of God are going to do something for God, you're going to face some opposition. You might as well be prepared and make up your mind that that you're in this thing for the long haul. You're not just into it to feel good today, but there will be times that, that you, your back's against the wall and you, and you feel such opposition. You feel the hand of the enemy coming against you and trying to destroy you. But when our mind is made up, I made up my mind a long time ago. I, rem I was a young person, 10 years old, when I received the Holy Ghost. And I made up my mind at 10 years old that I was going to live for God. Thank God I've never went back to the world. I have failed God. I have come up short. I have sinned. But thank God for a, re repentant, a place to repent and an altar of prayer. Thank God for a place to go, a safe place that we can come to and find a, a place to get along with God and communicate with God. And God takes the Word and He begins to rebuild us. He begins to restore us. I've restored a few things. 
Sometimes you got to take some sanders. <laughs> got to get the old sander out. Got to get the rough spots off. You got to make it smooth. You got to get, sometimes you got to get a planer. Amen. I, I use a planer quite a bit. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a builder now. I have built. I've, I love carpenter work. I love woodwork. But I've got, I bought a planer a few years ago, and it's amazing what that planer can do. It's amazing what the Word of God, it's amazing what church can do for you in your life. If you find yourself struggling, if you'll make up your mind, you know what? I'm not missing any more church. I'm going to live for God. I'm going to find this apostolic church that preaches truth and not where somebody will just tickle my ears but somebody that will preach the Word of God without fear or favor and tell me what I need to do to make heaven my home. Because if I miss heaven, I've missed everything. If you miss it today, you've missed it. Amen. Thank God for a church that believes in revival. Amen. That we can create an atmosphere. Amen. That we can be revived. Amen, that God will restore us. Amen, and because there's times that God places us in the right place in the kingdom of God. Amen, he resettles us just as Nehemiah began to build back Jerusalem. He began to, uh, Ezra had come and rebuilt the temple, but uh, they didn't have any walls of protection. Amen, you see, walls is for a good thing. It keeps some things out, and it, let, it keeps some things in. Amen, I want the world to stay outside, but I want the presence of God. I want a safe atmosphere that I can praise God and worship God. There's never been real revival without the Word of God. The Word of God is what brings revival. That's what stirs people. Amen. You begin to teach the Word. You begin to preach the Word. And, and God will find, find it that it will lodge in somebody's heart. It's the Word of God that brings revival. Amen. Elder Daniels, I appreciate the promotion of reading the word and having prayer. I know these men do too. I'm, every one of these men. Thank God that we're living in a time where that they've had that zeal. Amen. And they've asked God to restore their zeal and their passion. Amen. I don't ever want to reach the place that I get too old to uh, that I don't have a zeal and a passion. I may not do some of the things, but I want to love the church. I want to love the kingdom of God. I want to stay in love with this message. Amen. I want to preach the gospel. I want to reach the lost. I want a passion for lost souls. God, don't ever let me lose that zeal. Amen. We don't need fog machines. We don't need black ceilings and black walls and just lights on the platform. You say, Brother Stewart, you know, it doesn't matter. It does matter. You watch places where they reach for that and they desire that. 
It's not long before godliness walks out the door. Truth leaves. Amen. And the worldliness begins to creep in. Amen. It's a sad thing when we come and we let people get so comfortable that we don't preach conviction. Amen. And sinners sat for years on our pews without the Holy Ghost. We need to preach the Holy Ghost. It's our means of salvation. We cannot be saved without the baptism of the Holy Ghost. We cannot be saved without being baptized in the lovely name of Jesus Christ. Thank God. Let's worship the Lord, could we? Thank you, Lord. The spiritual meaning of passion is the internal fire that motivates us and energizes us. When we have a passion for the lost, we're going to be energized and we're going to be motivated to reach the lost. When we ever lose that, we've lost passion. God, rebuild passion into our lives. Let it be the integrity in a part of our church. Let us have a passion for lost souls. Amen. The Holy Ghost comes to ignite us with the Holy Ghost fire. Amen. It's that fire burning inside of us, and it still should burn today. Don't ever let the fire go out. Enthusiasm and persistence can make an average person superior. Indifference and lethargy can make a superior person average. Amen. If we allow ourselves just to become average, to come to church, well, we did what the pastor asked us to do. Amen. We can become so inferior before you know it. Amen. If you don't stoke the fire, if you don't fan the flames, uh, the fire will eventually go out if we don't take care of the fire. We got to take care of this Holy Ghost fire. Amen. Or the fire go out. And we'll be content with coming to church and sitting there and, uh, with our hands folded and, and saying, Oh, preach to me, preacher, but never doing anything about it. But thank God when we get the fire stirred up, get that Holy Ghost fire burning in us. Amen. God begins to build some things in the church that can affect the city. Passion works the same way. We need to stoke it. We need to work it. We need to build it. Amen. If we don't exercise and use the passion that God gives us, we lose it. Amen. And then we become complacent with coming to church. Amen. But oh, thank God that, that when I began to read things like the man Nehemiah and see that, that uh, he had a burden and he had a passion and he had a zeal and, and he wanted to see the kingdom of God restored and he wanted to see it operate in the way that it should, in the way that it used to. Amen. I'm praying today, God, help the church today. Help our apostolic movement to be on fire.
one definition of lukewarmness is serving God in such a way as to not offend the devil. When we reach the place that we worry about offending worldliness or the devil, we become lukewarm. God, build a fire in us. Amen. God uses a burden. And I'm, I'm, I'm closing. The musicians come. When I, when I say I'm closing, it won't be long. I'll be out of here. <laughs> I don't, it don't take me 30 minutes to close. <laughs> so whatever you're going to do, get ready. <laughs> Amen. But I think when God uses a person to accomplish his work, he gives them a burden. And you know what? It's not just for the ministry to have a burden. When we get a burden for lost souls, when we get a burden to see revival, then God's going to grant it to us. God's going to give it to us. Amen. I pray God, as often as I pray, God, give me a fresh burden. No, nobody wants to be burdened down. We've got to understand the burden that God wants to give the church is a hunger. It's a stirring. I want God to stir me. I want to be stirred. I don't want to be complacent with just coming to church with just a few people. And it's not, it's not the, the number of the people that, that, that God wants. It's souls. Amen. So I, I pray that God would give me that burden that I need and stir me again and, and restore me and build a fresh burden in me that I may accomplish the things that God wants me to accomplish. God knows... The moment that we lose our passion and our zeal, we lose a vision. Amen. God, give us a fresh vision. Amen. Let us realize that our purpose in the church is to restore the move of God. Amen. See God move and restore us and build us. Amen. Could we stand this morning. God bless you. You've been an attentive audience. I appreciate your, your attendance. Amen. Appreciate these services. Amen. Looking forward to tonight. Amen. To the Word of God. Amen. I'm so thankful for these men of God, these ministers that has fed my soul and blessed me. Amen. I feel like there's some things that's been rejuvenating in me and, and reminded. I'm been, there's been some rebuilding going on, and I thank you, brethren, that's preached the gospel. Let's lift our hands and love the Lord today. Praise God. Praise God. Come on, let's talk to the Lord. Let's talk to the Lord, everybody.